What up, Rinku Army? And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, we're going to be talking about my favorite thing in professional wrestling. And that is New Japan Pro Wrestling Night 1 and 2 of Wrestling Dantaku for 2021. Night one is definitely different from night two. Night one was so hyped and it was so different. We obviously have a new champion and I'm going to spoil it here before we get to the main event. But again, congratulations to Switchblade Jay White for defeating Tanahashi in a 40 minute match for the never openweight championship title. And I'm going to go in-depth into that match and tell you guys exactly why it was one of the best matches of the night of the card and definitely going on match of the year. And why the fact that it went 40 minutes, the story that they told was amazing. And of course, I'll break it down for everyone to hear. But this episode is going to be covering the third match on the card for night one of Wrestling Dantaku, which is... LIJ versus United Empire. And you guys know that I really enjoyed the whole entire tour between LIJ and United Empire. United Empire is looking very cohesive. They are very dominant and they know exactly what they want in professional wrestling and definitely in New Japan Pro Wrestling. LIJ is getting back their spotlight and they're still feeling like a good team. It's better to watch them than to watch Chaos. Because I don't know if Chaos still has a direction at the moment. But LIJ definitely does have a direction. Even if the wins and losses between the two groups are very mixed at the moment. But still watching them compete tells some really good stories though. So Will Osprey and Shingo was in this match for night one of Dantaku. And this was the last time that both of them will be facing each other in a tag match of this sort. Because night two, they took the main event and they made an amazing main event match. 45 minutes for that IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. And again, I'll go in depth into that one. That match is also match the year. And very different from... Jay White versus Tanahashi for the Never Overweight Championship title. Both Jay White and Will Ospreay are carrying New Japan Pro Wrestling. And they are definitely shaping the narrative for what each of them wants. And eventually, their paths are going to cross. They are two mega superstars right now. Doing amazing in-ring work, storytelling, and all-around putting together matches that have two different tones to it. And you guys will see what I mean when I get to those individual matches. And that's what I appreciate about both of these guys. As I said a couple podcast episodes ago, I was never a fan of Will Ospreay when he was younger growing up in the business, but his matureness has definitely won me over to where I can respect him 
as a performer, as an athlete, and he definitely knows what he's doing. He just does everything straight in your face. He wears his heart on his sleeve. So that's why sometimes maybe people don't take to Osprey as they should. And they find him to be whatever they want to call him. But at least, you know, he's up front with you. So now I could definitely get behind Will Osprey and enjoy the stories that he probably always wanted to tell in professional wrestling. It just got so muddied and loud with the fans that always said he did a lot of flippy stuff. And so that kind of hindered my experience to actually watch his matches and see that now there's psychology behind his matches. And he definitely does elevate every single person that he's in the ring with, whether that's in these tag matches or singles matches, but he really does do that. So not really taking anything away from Osprey, but Osprey has definitely come into his own. All right, let's jump into this LIJ versus United Empire match. So to start things off, we have Shingo versus Osprey. Again, we have that fast pace that each of them goes counter for counter and they know exactly what they're going to be doing. And what I saw here is that Osprey had a lot of anger in the opening minutes of the match, whether that was anger or frustration or just wanting to show Shingo that he's nowhere near Osprey's level and he's not getting a chance to take the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship away from him. And I was thinking to myself that the more anger that Osprey shows in this match before their main event that is going to trip him up in his main event and that might cause his downfall. Sometimes when you want to protect something that you love more than your significant other, more than anything else, that sometimes your mind will just get clouded and your instincts will take over. And sometimes your instincts can't tell the difference between is this a trap that I'm helping my opponent set up so that way one wrong mistake can definitely lead to a new champion. That was my whole thought process watching the first opening minutes of this match. And I was like, Osprey needs to calm down. He's showing his hand right now. He shouldn't be showing his hand to Shingo because Shingo is going to take advantage of that anger. And so during the first opening minutes of the match, Osprey did take advantage of Shingo while they were in the ropes. And Osprey gives him some kicks and some chops to take advantage. And then eventually, Osprey tags out to Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb then throws Shingo into the corner. And as Cobb goes straight for Shingo, Shingo moves out of the way and in comes Bushi with a back elbow to Jeff Cobb. Bushi then rolls Jeff Cobb into the middle of the ring so that way Sonata and Naito can take advantage with their double drop kicks to Jeff Cobb. Shingo then decides to go after Osprey, who's on the apron. And now we get... Bushi versus Jeff Cobb in the ring where we have a drop kick and then all of LIJ and United Empire are fighting on the outside while Jeff Cobb is in the ring doing squats while holding Bushi up in a vertical suplex and as Jeff Cobb brings Bushi down onto the mat he does a standing moonsault to Bushi 
Why are we not talking enough about Jeff Cobb's amazing athletic ability? Jeff Cobb now has, Jeff Cobb then holds Abushi into the ropes to allow Will Ospreay to do a double foot stomp onto Bushi. Hinari gets tagged in and does a cross arm bar to Bushi, but Bushi gets to the ropes for that submission to be broken up. Hinari then tags in Osprey. Osprey comes in with a punch, a knee drop, and then Hinari does the rugby kick to Bushi. And then Osprey goes for a cover with his foot. Bushi kicks out and then he is placed into the corner of the united empire he tries to fight back but that doesn't work as great okan comes in and stops all of bushi's attempt to fight out of that corner bushi then does a double hurricane to both osprey and great okan trying to create some separation between himself the united empire's corner and try to get the tag in on his side bushi tags in naito and Naito comes in with some offense to Great Khan, choking Great Khan with his own hair. And then Great Khan decides to do a backbreaker to Naito to stop all that. Great Khan then tags in Hinari. Hinari comes in with a knee and a rugby kick to Sonata and then does a berserker bomb to Sonata as well. Great Khan comes back in and clotheslines Sonata. Then we have Osprey and Hinari teaming up with a combination of kicks. And Cobb comes in with Tori the Islands and Hinari goes for the cover on Sonata and Shingo comes in to break it up. And now comes the favorite part in my match. For some reason, this spot always happens in like different matches. And this is where it sets up to let you know that eventually the match is going to end. But that's not really me telling you guys something that you already know. It's just the way that they execute this next sequence always gets me to pop and it always feels like an urgency to not only one up your opponent but also to try to get the knockout blow and that's why like I appreciate these little segments that happen towards the end and sometimes that can make or break a match but most of the time when LIJ and United Empire does this particular sequence it always makes the match because you know how important it is for these guys to be in this match. And the stories that they're telling is very important. So I think it works best when it's between teams that have a really good story between each other. So here's how the sequence went. Sonata has the skull end on Hinare. Drops that because he sees Cobb coming in and Cobb comes in with a clothesline. Bushi comes in with a DDT to Jeff Cobb, finally getting a one-up on Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb has been giving Bushi the tour of the islands during the whole entire tour, Don Taku. How funny is that? And then we have a kick to the Great Okan, but, but Khan absorbs that from Bushi. And Khan does his own big boot to Bushi to get him out of the ring. Naito comes in and does an insiguri to Great Okan. Osprey comes in with a flying forearm to Naito. And then Osprey does a stunner to Shingo. A back elbow from Shingo as he recovers. And then a punch in a clothesline to Osprey from Shingo. Hinari comes in with a spear to Shingo. So all of these men... In the very last sequence, 
has something to prove. They've been fighting all tour long. And yes, sometimes it could get a little repetitive and drawn out. But this is where a sequence like this makes the match. So Great Okan and Naito have their story about what looks like on the surface, who could be the most annoying. But in reality is who could be better than the other one. For some reason, it seems like Naito is like the standard bearer of wrestlers going after who don't have enough years under their belt. And I think that Naito helps elevate all young lions, even the ones that have already graduated. The Jeff Cobb and Bushi story on the surface is just that a heavyweight is defeating a junior heavyweight. But further in that story is that Cobb had mentioned during his backstage comments that when Abushi finally came back, that he will be kind of wrong to not admit that defeating Bushi was sort of like defeating Ibushi in his mind. So it sets up that. That was a perfect, clever way of getting the story between Jeff Cobb and Ibushi off the ground without doing a little extra work. So all tour long, Bushi has been defeated by Jeff Cobb so many times and has taken the tour of the islands so many times that in Jeff Cobb's mind, that's him beating Ibushi. Ibushi finally came back in his hometown. He tagged with Tanahashi to take on Hinare and Jeff Cobb. And unfortunately, Jeff Cobb and Hinari did not win that match. However, Ibushi issued the challenge to Jeff Cobb because now Ibushi wants to face all challengers, all wrestlers, including Olympians. And Jeff Cobb is an Olympic wrestler. So Jeff Cobb accepts. And after that, we don't see Ibushi for the next two days for the rest of the tour for Dantaku. So Jeff Cobb is still asking, where is Ibushi? And I want to know where Ibushi is too. Currently, Ibushi is the most babyface person there is on the roster right now. He lost the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. He automatically became the super babyface that he was years ago where he just wanted to wrestle and he just wanted to have great matches and put on a show for the fans. And there goes the idea of Ibushi ever becoming a long-term champion. And I think it's evident now that he doesn't care about championship wins. Ibushi cares more about wrestling and entertaining the fans than the championship titles, the accolades that he builds up for his career. It was very evident when he won the championship titles and you can tell he did not know how to navigate that. That's definitely not in his skill set. It's not like putting the belt on Will Ospreay and Ospreay knows how to carry himself like a champion, knows what to say, knows what to do. And he's used to that champion lifestyle. Abushi is the shy kid that will always be shy, but he's proud of his talents, his athleticism. It's just that people really wasn't taking to the fact that 
he proclaimed himself to be this god after he won the IWGP Intercontinental Championship title and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship title and then decided to unify both of them together. And look where that has gotten us. Sure, we have a nice new belt. It is shiny. It is beautiful. It represents something different. And Osprey is definitely bringing that belt up to a new standard, a new style. It's definitely going to have a new legacy attached to it. But again, where is Ibushi? What is Ibushi doing? Ibushi has let everyone down. And that unification of the championship titles has definitely done no one any favors, especially Ibushi. But people will still welcome Ibushi back with open arms because his wrestling ability does speak for itself. His career does speak for itself. His decisions, however, are not the best when you really think about it in retrospect. And that's what I love about everyone in New Japan Pro Wrestling, that they do elevate each other at one point or another in their careers. Paths may not cross all the time, but you know that at some point in this year or maybe next year, we're going to get all of these stories to reach the climax of their journeys. And that's a maybe with Ibushi, because after Will Ospreay winning the championship title, at Sakura Genesis, Jeff Cobb decided to add more pain to Ibushi by beating him up during a post-match. And this is why Ibushi issued the challenge to Cobb so that way they can have their one-on-one match. But Jeff Cobb's strength will probably be a problem for Ibushi. Ibushi has gotten out of many tough situations and defeated very amazing opponents. But I don't think Ibushi is going to come out of defeating Jeff Cobb whenever they meet up in New Japan for wrestling. Maybe Bushi will throw himself into that match and cause Jeff Cobb to lose and help out Ibushi. And that'll be interesting to have a triple threat match between Jeff Cobb, Ibushi, and Bushi of LIJ. And New Japan doesn't really do much triple threat matches. They probably should just to keep everything fresh and everything new. Which brings me back into the match of LIJ versus United Empire. After that whole entire sequence and you guys getting up to date with the stories that each of these guys are telling, we have Sonata again doing Skull's End to Hinare. However, Hinare reverses that only for Sonata to push Hinare to the ropes and get him into the Okano roll with a bridge style pin. And Sonata picks up the victory again over Hinare in this LIJ versus United Empire for night one of Dantaku. Do I agree with the ending? No. Do I want Hinari to win every match? Maybe. Do I want another Hinari versus Sonata? Yes. And I do think that Hinari needs to try to find a way to get out of the O'Connor role and not get caught in it. It's the same thing of like the schoolboy and the roll up. Those are dangerous moves within professional wrestling. And those are the most overlooked 
moves in professional wrestling because they could come out of nowhere. You could be really prepared for your opponent and all of a sudden get rolled up and then one, two, three, and that's it. There's always ways to counter those moves that wrestlers don't see coming. Like, you know, it's there in professional wrestling. You know that it's available to use. But sometimes you're thinking that your opponent is going to pull out their big grand finisher. And most of the times finishers are protected. So therefore you don't kick out of it and then bam, that's at the end. I have no advice on how to get out of the O'Connor role other than maybe just work on leg strength and just try to kick out or try to squirm out or something. But sometimes when you see Sonata does that bridge along with the O'Connor roll, it looks very locked and sturdy to where maybe you can't really get out of it. But Hidari will find a way. He'll find a way. But I do need to see another matchup between Sonata and Hanare, maybe with some added stakes, because you just don't want to have the same matches over and over and over with nothing there other than being very prideful of what it means to get pinned with the O'Connor role which by the way you guys should go read the interview that Hinari did with New Japan Pro Wrestling over on Twitter go to the NJPW 1972 Twitter account and the link to his interview with them should be up there so you guys should definitely read that and learn a little bit more about Hinare after the wrong person won that match yes that's right I'm gonna say here that even though Sonata was victorious over Hinare and getting the win for LIJ that was the wrong winner and so post-match we have Shingo and Osprey exchanging words Osprey taunting Shingo with the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. And both of them try to go and do their finishers on each other. Osprey tries first with Stormbreaker, but Shingo gets out and tries Made in Japan on Will Osprey. And Osprey gets out of it. And both of them retreat to either corner of the ring. It wasn't like last time, the last. Road to Dantaku show where Shingo managed to do Made in Japan on Will Ospreay and held that IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title in his hand to sort of test the reaction of fans not only in Japan at the venue but also on the internet around the world because it would be a really huge shocker if they gave the belt to Shingo. But obviously, I'm going to spoil it now. Will Ospreay is still our IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And like I said, I'm going to dive into that match when I get there for night two of wrestling Dantaku. But LIJ versus United Empire, it's always great to watch. It's always great to break down the matches and talk about it. And I had a really fun time watching that match. That match helped set the tone for the rest of the card. And I'll be going over the rest of the card, which means that I'll be going over Zack Zaber Jr. versus Tungaloa, Tai Chi versus Tamatanga, and our main event of Jay White challenging Tanahashi for that never openweight championship title. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is about enough of my analysis of LIJ versus the United Empire. I hope you guys had an amazing time listening to this podcast episode as much as I had a great time talking about it. 
As you guys know, I love all professional wrestling. I really do enjoy talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And if you want to spread the love of this episode a little bit more, here is how you can do it. This episode will be available on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. It would also be up on the website, www.ravagelands.com. You could also support it there as well. And if you want to take the conversation a little bit further, I am on Twitter. I am actively on Twitter. So make sure to at me at Marie underscore shadows. All right, guys, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys in the next one.